as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I'm Andy Wilson, also Big Shiny Robot And, and, and new outlet, Graphic Policy Go check me out at graphicpolicy.com Where I just published my first article about Cars 3 and white male privilege. It's nice. really good. Yeah, oh, so go the, check it out. It's fun. The one you posted, that was your article? Yes, it was. I didn't even look at the byline. I just was very impressed by the article. So, <laughs> Well, there I we go. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so speaking of Cars 3, that is one of the movies we have this week. Uh, we also have the shark horror film 47 Meters Down and the raunchy female rom-com Rough Night. Uh, but since we do go worst to first, we're going to start out with 47 Meters Down. So, uh, this movie only really exists because uh, the Blake Lively shark movie last year, The Shallows, did really well. People liked it. uh, Critics liked it. And it was actually a really fun, good movie. This one, well, this one really isn't. (laughs) Um, Takes place in in Mexico. We've got two sisters, Lisa and Kate, played by Mandy Moore and Claire Holt. They're vacationing together, uh, and we find out that uh, Lisa's... Uh, boyfriend, Stuart, was supposed to come, but he didn't because they broke up because it's all her fault because she's a very boring person and blah, 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 and, you know, all this crazy BS. So they meet some locals, go out partying, and are told, hey, we have this really cool thing. It's kind of a clandestine operation. Don't tell anyone, but we know this guy who has a ship with an awesome shark cage, and we'll go out in the ocean, and we can go down there, go scuba diving in the shark cage, and see some sharks, and why not? And Lisa's kind of like, no, that doesn't sound safe. You know, they told us when we came down here not to do anything outside of, like, the hotel or the resort. And her sister's like, no, no, like, do you think Stuart would think you were boring if you went in a shark cage and did this? And eggs are on. So, of course, they go out in the middle of the ocean, they go down in the cage, and the winch holding the cage breaks and sends the two sisters to the bottom of the ocean, which is, guess how far down it is? Yeah, 47 meters. And now they're stuck at the bottom of the ocean, they're running out of air, and the sharks that they were seeing above are now trying to stalk them down below. And of course, they're safe in the cage, but because reasons, they have to get out and find ways to try to get to the surface, blah, 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 all that fun stuff. So the one thing this movie does really well, uh, which I wish more horror movies did, was most scary movies will tend to telegraph the scares either way in advance with a music cue or even a couple seconds beforehand, if you've seen one movie, you've seen them all, and you know when something's going to jump out at you. To this film's credit, and while it does do that a decent number of times, uh, there are a few moments that have legitimate frights, and even though I knew what to look for, I didn't see and scared the crap out of me. So it has that going for it. Everything else is just god-awful. This script is so dumb and so stupid that even though you're supposed to be afraid for these two woman being hunted by the shark and all these crazy things happening after a while it just gets so repetitive and dull uh it doesn't matter anymore like you just you don't care and that sense of dread kind of just oozes away uh in fact we we made a joke that if you took a shot every single time someone mentioned the bends because we know if you're that deep below the water if you're going to the service you have to stop so that you don't get the bends and die uh you would probably have severe alcohol poisoning halfway through the movie uh, because it's said over and over and over again, like, yes, we get it. So, 
uh, it just it's it's infuriating because it's, it's just a cool idea and parts are done well and that messes it up. And the most unforgivable thing I can say is that the last 15 minutes of the movie, there's this huge quote unquote twist, which I'm sure some screenwriter, actually the director wrote the movie, is sitting somewhere very pleased with himself with how the twist went. And it's the dumbest, most overused trope I've seen in the movie in years. I mean, this is the kind of idea a first grader would come up with on a short story and think it was really cute and smart because they'd never seen it before because they're five. Uh, I know that because when I was five, I told a story with the exact same plot twist and thought I was clever. Uh, if it wasn't for that, the movie would have been a much higher score, but that made me go back and start looking over the things I was overlooking because I was kind of having some fun, but the ending just really, really upset me and pissed me off. Uh, so that combined with, you know, we just got off having Wonder Woman, which is this great film empowering females and showing a really strong female character, and to have this movie where you've got two sisters and one of them is going through a breakup and having a bad time and her sisters should be the one supporting her, but she's taking on the role of like, Oh, well no, maybe if you weren't boring, he wouldn't have broken up with you kind of undertone. And it's like, why we just, you don't need that. It's not, it's not necessary for the story. I don't understand why we're doing that. And yeah, yeah. So I just, I didn't like it at all. Uh, if it wouldn't have been for the twist ending, I probably would have been a bit higher, but because of that, and I went and analyzed it again, uh, the best I can do is a 3 out of 10. So don't go see this. If you want to have some fun, The Shallows has been out now for a long time. Go rent or buy that or just go pop in Jaws again. It's, it's, if you want a good scary shark movie, Jaws still gets me. And it's still one of the best out there. So just just pretend this one doesn't exist. Oh, that's too bad. Especially as much as I love Mandy Moore. But oh well, you know, they, they, they can't all be winners. So oh, And also, I, I just seen Wonder Woman literally a day before uh, we went to the screen yeah. film. And there's been a lot of articles and a lot of stories about because uh, you know, Wonder Woman is filled with beautiful women, but it was never filmed. It was, it was you know, Patty Jenkins filmed it, you know, they say not from the male eye because, yeah, you weren't lingering on, well, to say the assets of the woman, you know? It was very much, hey, sure, we're showing you this sure. the way it's supposed to be. And having just seen that, and going to this movie that is filmed by a man, and you're like, okay, you're lingering on, on her breasts too long. Why is this shot on her ass for two seconds longer than it needs to be? And having just experienced Wonder Woman and then jumping into this, the difference of filmmaking styles and that male gaze is so readily apparent that it that also turned me off as well. So, I, I really like that, and I, I really feel like Wonder Woman has helped us turn a corner, and I know that I am looking at things differently because of it. And I, I like that. I like this yeah. new world where we're doing that and we're having that conversation. Speaking of, uh, this week, as you mentioned, we do have the female-led uh, raunchy rom-com Rough Night, which uh, reunites five friends from college at uh, one of their bachelorette party, uh, which is which they go down to Miami to go have a fun weekend, go get drunk, go get crazy. Well, they do some drugs uh, they hire a stripper. Stripper shows up. They accidentally uh, jump on him, and he hits his head on the fireplace. Oh, he's dead, and we can't call the cops because, well, we're high, and there's drugs all over the place, and um, we can't do this because uh, the the main character is running for public office, and whoa, what a huge scandal this would be. 
So yeah. <laughs> uh, wackiness ensues, and it, there's a little bit of weekend at Bernie's, and there's a little bit of how do we get rid of this dead body, and uh, other things happen. But it's mostly about these five women and uh, their relationships and how they've kind of drifted apart since college and them trying to reunite and get back together. So uh, this, the, the main problem with this movie is that that sounds like it should be really funny. It does. It sounds and, like Weekend at Bernie's kind of meets very bad things or something like that. Yeah, it, and it, it should be funny. Here's the cast. Really great people. Scarlett Johansson, Jillian Bell, Ilana Glazer, Kate McKinnon, and Zoe Kravitz. Like, that's a great cast. Yeah. Those people are incredibly talented. Uh, Kate McKinnon does this spot-on Australian accent the entire time. And uh, Jillian Bell is jealous of her. Um, cause, uh, so Kate McKinnon is, like, the new friend that no one knows about because she's from Australia. And... Uh, so Jillian Bell keeps calling her Kiwi and, and Kate McKinnon's like, that's really culturally insensitive because, uh, <laughs> Kiwis are from New Zealand. You might not know that. And while I'm not offended, that might not, <laughs> it's, it's really good. And they're all really great. This movie just isn't funny enough. And, um, I found it predictable if you're not paying attention, you might not find it predictable, but I saw the the ending coming from a mile away. The other main problem with this is uh, the co-screenwriter here, Paul Downs, is also uh, Scarlett Johansson's fiance, and uh, he's having his bachelor party, and... Uh, which actually is one of the funniest parts of the movie is like there, uh, the girls are having this crazy drug filled party down in Miami. And like, he's sitting around with, uh, with a bunch of his bros and they're like doing a wine tasting and talking about what, what do you taste here? I, I taste licorice. Oh, I, I, I taste wood. And you know, they're just being just complete a-holes and it's hilarious. Um, but he gets a phone call that like things are going wrong and he's like, oh, well, I've got to run down to Miami and swoop in and save the day. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Sorry here. Um, it does end up happening that at the end he does kind of end up saving them. Uh, and that really kind of bothers me that, mm-hmm. you know, this movie that's supposed to be female centric and funny and the the guy writes himself in as this insecure jerk, uh, and he comes in and saves the day at the end. I'm not buying that. So, I mean, there's, it's got its good points. It's got its bad points. Uh, among the good points, Ty Burrell and uh, Demi Moore are this like weird, creepy neighbor couple who like very obviously want to have some sort of sexual liaison with any of the girls and they're just like very 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 creepy um (laughs) they are hilarious they are so good and every scene that they're in they just completely milk it um so that's the good i i kind of told you about the bad so when all is said and done it's just kind of right down the middle on this five out of ten go see it if this is really something that you need to see but Otherwise, I, I think it's kind of skippable. 
Yeah, it's it's sad too because they they didn't show it to us. Uh, they for whatever reason I don't know why. Uh, and I, I did really want to see it because for the reasons you mentioned, it's got such a great cast. And uh, when I heard Kate McKinnon was being Australian just just for fun, I think actually she decided last minute to do it because she could. <laughs> and I love Kate McKinnon, so I was totally down with that. But uh, yeah, that's really disappointing because it, it had the potential to to be a movie that's. Uh, that could be a lot of fun, and I I don't understand the knight in shining armor thing at the end either. So, well, oh. and it, the sad thing is, is he wasn't quite a knight in shining armor. He was like a a douche in a diaper because he, oh. yeah, he he pulls what they call a crazy astronaut, and they're like you you get really high on Red Bull and. Uh, dress in some adult diapers and don't stop until you get there and try and win your girl back. And that's just like all of the negative, like terrible parts of, um, well, it's not all of the terrible parts of toxic masculinity, but there's enough of it in there that it's just like, if you just waited around and waited for a phone call that she said she was okay, then things would have turned out. But you know, anyway, I, yeah, that, that bugged me. So, Nah, well, that's kind of disappointing because that, that could have been fun. But uh, yeah. something I found more fun than I thought I was going to uh, is Cars 3. Uh, yeah. So let's be honest. The, re- the reason why the Cars series exists is because Disney makes a crap ton of money selling toys. Uh, we were at yeah. Toys R Us yesterday uh, and or the other day. And we walk in and there's like a 30-foot-long th- Cars 3 toy display. It's like, ah, yes, yes, we, we know why that exists. But... Uh, as much as Cars 1 was decent, Cars 2 turned into the Mater movie, which was just horrible. Uh, oh, that, that was an awful movie. Like, I, that, that's the one bad Pixar movie. And it's, it's just awful. Yeah. So terrible. So thankfully for, the, for those who are going to get dragged to see this movie, uh, Cars 3 has about eh, five, ten minutes of Mater. It's definitely not the Mater movie. Uh, but it does take place, uh, it doesn't really say what time, but it's after the first two movies, of course. Uh, and we've got Lightning McQueen, voiced again by Owen Wilson. He's racing again, he's doing great, he and his fellow cars are you know, going back and forth, you know, he's won a lot of races, and all of a sudden the uh, the newbies start coming in. We've got a new group of cars, uh, the worst one is Jackson Storm, who's voiced by Army Hammer, and uh, these are ones that are specifically designed for racing, they use more science, they have, they're lighter, they're more aerodynamic. And just starts kicking the crap out of him. And, you know, Lightning McQueen starts losing and losing and losing. And the, and the last race of the year uh, crashes horribly and kind of goes into hiding and just says, like, hey, I, I can't I can't do this anymore. Uh, finally gets talked into it by his, I guess, is are they married yet? Is his girlfriend? Or I, I could never. I, I don't know. Do you get married as a car? I never <laughs> really whatever. understood, like, car relationships. Yeah, so, so let's say it's his girlfriend. It's Sally Carrera, voiced by Bonnie Hunt. And says, yeah. no, you need to get back in the race and go do this. So he goes off to this uh, special training uh, facility, uh, which is run by Sterling, who is voiced by Nathan Fillion, who is a rich business car. Uh, he runs this facility and owns the Rusty's company now and puts him in the care of Cruz Ramirez. A uh, Actually, I'll, Andy, I'll let you kind of go into more detail about her when we get towards the review part of it. But she is trying to train him, saying, hey, look, you're an older car now. We need to start slow and... Of course, Lightning McQueen wants nothing to do with that because he's a racer and he knows what he's doing. And like the other one, wackiness ensues, lessons are learned, and uh, 
actually has a pretty cool ending. I would say the first hour or so of the movie is really slow and plods along. Uh, and of course, you get the lesson learned. But Andy, talk to us about uh, Cruz Ramirez, because you wrote a whole article about it. So I, I did. And before we, we do that, if I don't know if you care about spoilers in a movie like Cars 3, but... I'm going to spoil the hell out of this movie. It's <laughs> going to it's going to be worth it because there's look the the ending is kind of trite and predictable. I don't think I'm I'm actually spoiling any experience here, but I'm going to tell you why this movie is good and important. First of all, that first hour was just boring. <laughs> oh, the whole time I was sitting there and I, cause I've had some I had some friends who didn't like it and some who thought it was okay. I'm like, why the hell? Like, I I could be doing so many better things on a Sunday morning than watching Cars yeah. Three, and that yeah, that yeah. first hour is rough. Yeah, that first hour is really rough. But uh, there's there's this point with Cruz, and I want to point out her name. That her name is Cruz Ramirez. This is very obviously a a female car, and uh, and specifically a Latina car. And I think that's important to understanding this. And so they go out in their training. And of course, we can see where this is going. Lightning ends up actually teaching her things while she's teaching him things, uh, which is really great. And they build up this bond and they're talking. And he's like, he's like, hey, you know, you're you're faster. You're you're holding yourself back. What's what's going on? And she's like, well, I didn't want to be a trainer. I wanted to be a racer and I was the fastest person. I was the fastest car in my area. I got up early. I did laps. I wanted to be like you. And when I finally showed up for my first race, there was no one who looked like me. And I was intimidated by the bigger and faster cars. And I just didn't have the confidence. Where do you get that confidence from lightning McQueen? He's like, I don't know. I just always kind of had it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this, that's the movie right there. Because as, as a white guy, you know, we, we see ourselves in the media all over the place. We have our lightning McQueen. We have our Luke Skywalker. Uh, and all of this stuff works for us. And we are told you should be confident. You will get what you want if you work hard. And the way the system's set up, generally speaking, that does mostly work out, but that isn't the case for a lot of people. And if you show up someplace and suddenly you're like, wow, there's no one here who really looks like me. There's no one here to like take care of me and uh, take me on as uh, a mentor and an apprentice, then you, you miss out on all this stuff. And Lightning McQueen is only great because Doc, the Hudson Hornet, took him under his wing and, you know, taught him all this stuff and taught him how to be a racer and put his career back on track. What what they're doing, they're, they've decided they want to go out and find the guy who trained Doc because then that can maybe put uh, Lightning McQueen's career back on schedule. So they go and they find him, and uh, it's this car voiced by Chris Cooper, who's great. And um, you know, it's again, if if he's if he's Luke and Doc was Obi Wan, then this is you know they go out and they look for Yoda, and 
you can see where this is going. Eventually, this is a, going to be about passing the torch to Rey. And the things that they've learned. So Lightning McQueen goes out for his final race and says, I'm going to win this or I'm going to retire. He's, he's racing as hard as he can and he's doing really well. But uh, about w with about 10 laps to go, he pulls into the pit stop and he says, no, Cruz, you're going to finish the race for me. You're the only one actually fast enough to beat them. You're the only one good enough. And I believe in you. And no one else has believed in you up to this point. And, but I know that you're a racer and I'm going to bestow upon you this confidence. And so she goes out and she wins the race. Duh. We, we know where the story was. And that moment, those final laps, it was like, oh my gosh, this movie finally found itself. It finally got really, really good. Mm -hmm. And more important, it's like one of the best things about the Pixar movies, it feels like they always have something to say. And the Cars movies have been so completely devoid of saying anything except for maybe cashing a big check when, <laughs> with all the merchandising. Um, this had something that was really cool. It's like, hey, you know, girls can be racers and they don't have to be just white dudes. I love that. And especially in this franchise that is so male heavy and um and so very white i just feel like this really turned a corner and um yeah most of the movie was terrible but those little bits that that last part especially uh i loved it i i, I may have shed a tear <laughs> but it's you know it's it's one of those moments like the lightsaber flying into ray's hand at the end of force awakens like diana walking out into no man's land it, they become their own hero and once you get that um you know there's there's no stopping you i love that and um so so i i'm not going to forgive the movie its flaws but i am going to say that part right there very very good yeah and and you actually pretty much hit everything i was going to talk about um when i went saw it there it was obviously it was a Sunday morning there were a lot of parents there a lot of kids there I, the majority of people going to see this are families and yes the get power through the first hour because it's repetitive I mean the, the first 15 minutes like where the racing is kind of cool and then it kind of spends too much time gazing into its own navel trying to find purpose and reason and that gets really annoying uh, but it does kick off at the end and become again exciting there are some cool like, like Annie mentioned there's some really cool messages in there um, but this isn't the worst thing you could take your kids to see. Uh, are you going to sit there and you know look forward to seeing it again five million times when it comes out on DVD? Probably not. <laughs> but this is a million times better than Cars 2. And uh, again, despite its problems, it's light summer fun. Uh, it's almost worth seeing just for Lou, which is the opening short film uh, about oh, a, a yeah. Boston town. At oh, a little school. Talk about Lou because that that is the best part of the movie. Yeah, so so Lou is uh, it's this it's at a school and these are all probably first second graders and it's called Lou because it says lost and found and the letters L O and U have fallen off of it. Well, the kids go inside for recess and all of a sudden all the items in the box come to life and become this 
creature that's made out of like a sweater and baseballs and slinkies and jump ropes and goes around and collects all the stuff it found that was left in the playground and goes back to the box. Well, the next recess, kids come out and get some of their stuff. Well, this bully goes around and starts, you know, taking stuff from kids and, you know, a football, a Game Boy, uh, a doll and some other stuff. Well, when the kids run inside, Lou gets upset and, you know, then the rest of the short film is Lou and this kid chasing after each other where Lou's trying to get the toys back from the kid uh, and the kid's trying to get the stuff he stole. And then at the end, kind of, well, I don't, this I do not want to spoil because that I don't want, yeah, don't spoil that because that is, it is beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. And And it's, it's about the, the cyclical nature of bullying and, um, and forgiveness. Man, oh, and, and the, the heartstrings that it tugs at with, with that. So good. So, yeah. so and, good. And to be honest, the, the short film in front of Cars 3 is a lot better than Cars 3. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it, again, Pixar, it, it's the short films especially that shows the imagination, the creativity, and the heart that they can put into something that's only, what, three, four minutes long? Uh, yeah. And sometimes it seems like when they're put under the, the time constraints that they have of a short film they can accomplish more than they do with, you know, an hour and 40 minutes that they did with some of their feature films. Uh, but no, it goes, go see it at least for that. But honestly, it's not horrible. It's not the greatest thing ever. Uh, I've been kind of going back and forth what I thought about it. I'm, I'm going to go with a 6.5 because again, there's lots of problems, but there is a good message. You're going to have fun with your kids. Cause there are some really cool moments. It's a beautiful film. I mean, once again, Pixar shows their, at the top of the game as far as uh, computer graphic or computer and computer animation goes but it's it's up there with Cars I say it's equal to Cars 1 probably as far as quality I think Cars 2 is just down at the bottom but it's yeah it's it's not the worst thing you'll see this summer so yeah I, I'm exactly the same way I think this is the third worst Pixar movie and uh, slightly above Cars 1 um, but yeah, not not a whole lot there. Uh, I'm I'm giving this like just a straight five again. I mm-hmm. it's that first hour is so rough and so boring. That message is really great, and if the kids will sit through it and and get around to that last part, I think it's worth it for that. But this might if you're. If you're budget conscious and you're not sure you want to plunk down 50 bucks to take the family to the Cineplex to go check this out, don't. And and watch it like hell on DVD cuz it'll it'll be a lot better that way anyway. Yeah, go so. see go see Wonder Woman. Yeah, go see Wonder Woman. Go see it a couple more times cuz yeah. it's uh, it's doing fantastic. So let's let, let's keep giving that some love. So Well, Cars yeah. 3 is doing fantastic too. It won the weekend. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so cool. did well, I say Cars it. Cars 2? I meant Cars 3. Cars 3, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, that'll do it for this week. Uh kind of overall mediocre week. Uh don't go see 47 meters down. Go uh go watch your copy of The Shallows or Jaws. Uh probably watch Bridesmaids instead of a uh, Yes. Night, and yep. if you got to take the kids, Cars Three is not the worst thing out there. But you could do a lot better. Probably just sitting at home and seeing something else, or taking them to see Wonder Woman because it's a much better film. So uh, next week is interesting. So we've got The Big Sleep, which we already talked about because uh, it came out at Sundance. But Andy's going to see it, and if he feels strongly or much differently than I did about it, we'll we'll kind of touch on that one again. 
And then the, uh, we're ever so excited, uh, it's Transformers 532, uh, which they're showing Andy, but they're not showing me. So I'm going to have to try to sneak out and see this on my own for three and a half hours, which I'm ever so excited for. Uh, but yeah, that'll be next week. But until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key.